Hi, and welcome to Zed Games. Recorded live at 4 Triple Z Studios in Brisbane and broadcast nationally over the community radio network, Zed Games brings you the latest gaming news, reviews, and interviews from across Australia and around the world. Hello and welcome to Zed Games, Australia's longest running gaming radio program, coming at you live from Triple Z in Brisbane, or you might be listening around the nation on the community radio network. Razor is my name, and for this episode, I am joined by my co-hosts. Firstly, Miss Candy Payne. Hi. And Mr. Jody McGregor. Hello. We're the longest running. Yep. I find that quite an achievement. Nearly Claps 300 episodes. Yeah. Coming up, 300 <laughs> episodes in realize. December, yeah. Oh, yay for us. This week, a uh, photography student wrestles with the ability to control time in Life is Strange. Candy and Jody, you guys have been playing that. It's the conclusion yeah. of the episodic uh, adventure series. Yeah, yeah, cannot wait to talk about that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. And Jody, you and I have been playing Tales from the Borderlands. Uh, it's a another episodic game set in the Borderlands universe, of course, the the Gearbox series, but with an adventure twist this time by the masters of the episodic adventure genre, Telltale Games. But before all that, let's get into this week uh, gaming news headlines. Sure. Miss Candy Payne, no worries. Free-to-play online shooter Quake Live has received major infrastructural changes in an update this week that better integrates it with Steam, the number one digital distribution client for PC games. Quake Live is now a paid game, costing US $10 to purchase via Steam. Players who added the game to their Steam libraries libraries prior to the patch will not have to purchase the game, but those who did not will have to pay the purchase price to continue playing. Additionally, in a move that has left many long-time players fuming, all statistics, friends lists, rewards and achievements gained over the past five years have been reset. A message posted to the Steam community forums by the developer listed the benefits of fully integrating the game with Steam, but did not address the pricing or statistic wiping issues. So if you check out the community forums, it's a pretty nasty looking place right now. A lot of people are upset, perhaps justifiably so. You would be. I'm not sure how much notice or how much warning that they gave that this was happening. Yeah, none. None at all. If, if the case is none at all, then yeah, a lot of people have a good reason to be dirty. We're talking about five years of progress. Mm. Imagine playing a game for five years Everything you've built up in that time just erased with no warning whatsoever. Oh, man, I get devastated now when I've been playing something for 15 minutes and I have to restart. Like, imagine, you know, <laughs> God, imagine five years' worth of accomplishments. Oh, I would be furious. Especially in that gaming environment where uh, grouping is so important, like you form clans. Yeah. You log in one day and your friends list is completely gone. Uh, how do you deal with that? It's like someone goes into your phone and just erases all your phone numbers. What do you do? Yeah. No. What do you do? Cry. <laughs> that's, that's all Stop I got. playing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be jumping off the Quake Live bandwagon, or threatening to at least, but um, I think they're gambling that the integration with Steam will perhaps uh, cause more people to join. Yeah, I, the fact that it has a price now means that it can be put on sale, which means that it will be able to appear on the front page of Steam where all of mm. the games that people get excited about live. The fact that it was free was nice, but it meant that it was very hard to publicize beyond the initial release. Mm. 
Microsoft announced today that a major system update for the Xbox One will launch on the 12th of November. The update will completely overhaul the system's user interface and will introduce backwards compatibility with Xbox 360 games. And I'm doing a little happy dance in the <laughs> You're studio. You're quite excited about it. I'm so excited. I bought it for some reason thinking that had already happened. And when I put a 360 game in and it spat it back out, I was very sad. <laughs> so <laughs> no more tears. I will be thrilled come the 12th. What are you going to play? I just feel like I have a massive backlog that had been sitting there, games not even opened in my cupboard, and so I, I, I don't even know. I don't know. Don't know. I'll let you know when I, right. when it finally works, and it'll just be a random choosing. Yeah. A cancelled game starring popular Star Wars villain Darth Maul may be resurrected, according to a statement by the developers of the game during a Q&A session on Reddit.com. Originally planned as a PS3 and Xbox 360 title, they went on to say that they were working on a demo for the current-gen consoles. Leading up to the events of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, the game would star Darth Maul at the age of 10 years old. I was totally on board with that until I found <laughs> out that it was going to be 10-year-old Darth Maul. Who <laughs> wants to play that? Oh, I mean, Darth, interesting. Darth Maul is cool. He's black and red. You know, he's got that yeah. sweet double-edged lightsaber. Don't you want to know how he got to be why he is No. Now? I just want to <laughs> carve up some Jedi scum with my double-edged <laughs> lightsaber. I don't Maybe wanna... he started doing that real young. You don't know. <laughs> The PC version of Batman Arkham Knight goes back on sale this week, four months after being pulled due to crippling performance issues. A patch will also bring the content of the PC version into line with the PS4 and Xbox One versions, which launched in June. Yeah, I might finally get to play it. <laughs> and in a press conference held in Paris this week, Sony made several announcements about the status of some upcoming titles. Tekken 7 will come to PS4 and will include PlayStation VR support. The game launched in arcades earlier this year. Interplanetary exploration game No Man's Sky has an official release date of June 2016. A new Gran Turismo title was announced. Called Gran Turismo Sport, it's expected for the PS4 next year. PlayStation VR compatibility was also mentioned as a possibility, but not confirmed. Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls studio Quantech Dream unveiled their next project, a PS4 exclusive. The game is called Detroit and features a Blade Runner-inspired scenario of a world where lifelike androids coexist with humans. And finally, Street Fighter V has a release date of February the 16th. New characters were also announced and the game will be available for PC and the PS4. Big announcements. Yeah. Just on that final one with Street Fighter V... Mm. I don't like the exclusivity deal there with Sony. Yeah. Street Fighter V, I think that's that's common ground. You know, that's something that all gamers should be able to enjoy, I feel. So mm. don't approve. But I own a PlayStation 4, so, yeah, so I won't be crying too hard. Yeah, you, <laughs> You're going to buy it anyway. You then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm interested in this Detroit one. Yeah, yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah. I think, I don't know, maybe I've just been watching a lot of TV shows with similar storylines at the moment, so suddenly I'm just getting really into that kind of thing. Mm, who knew I was into sci-fi shit? <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> Guys, you have been playing the episodic adventure game Life is Strange. Just wrapped up its final episode. Mm. Tell me all about it. So Life is Strange is about a teenage girl in a small-town America who's a photography student, and she discovers that she has the ability to control time. She can rewind events a short distance, just like a few seconds, a couple of minutes, but that's long enough. 
for her to completely change things after they happen. Mm -hmm. And if you can think about being, you know, an awkward, insecure teenager, that's exactly the superpower you would want to have because every time you say something stupid, you can just be like, nah, Nah. (laughs) I'm going to go back and be cool. This time I'll get it right. Yeah. She basically has the superpower to be like an adult who actually knows what's going to happen when she does a stupid thing and then go back and change it. Yes, which you can obviously play to many advantages. I'm finding I'm becoming quite a conniving and cunning little person with this because I'm using it to listen to a lot of information and work out why people don't like me and then go back and fix that. So interesting use of that tool. Yeah, did you use it to impress the skater boys? Because I totally did. (laughs) They thought I was a dork because I didn't know, like, the names of skate tricks. And then I just rewound time and came back and said a bunch of stuff to them that they had just said to me. And they thought I was cool. And then after that, they turned out to be really decent, like, nice guys. But you have to get past that sort of cliquey teenage sort of pushing away. See, I've not bothered to do that. What I've done is tried to... There's a Mean Girl scenario in this. If you've seen the movie Mean Girls, it's pretty much that. I have tried to become best friends with all of the Mean Girls group and then kick her out of the picture to teach her a lesson. That's what they're I'm doing like with my Like they're Queen Bee. Yeah, Victoria. I want to be the Queen Bee. I so. hate Victoria. Yeah. Screw Victoria Birch. Yeah, yeah. Can you know. tell me more specifics about the storyline, what happens to this young woman? Yeah, well, sure. No, Jody, you go. It's, uh, it reminded me a lot of Twin Peaks because... Yeah. You play Max Caulfield. You've just come back to Arcadia Bay, the town that you grew up in but moved away from for several years, and you're trying to fit back in. You're trying to reconnect with your best friend, Chloe, who's like this cool, blue-haired punk girl who you grew up with but haven't seen for a few years. But there's uh, a mystery going on because a girl named Rachel Amber uh, disappeared recently. You see, like, posters, missing posters for her everywhere, and people don't know whether she's just run away or whether she's been murdered. And Max and Chloe decide to investigate uh, using Max's powers as well as their sort of Scooby-Doo teenage detective abilities. Whilst dealing with everyday dramas that one can expect from a bunch of 18-year-olds in school. Okay. Yeah. The scenario seems solid. I'm Mm -hmm. intrigued. Yeah. I want to know what happens. I'm not going to tell you because that would just, you know, spoiler yeah. alert and ruin the show. Um, but does it carry the momentum throughout? Like, does it live up to the premise? Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> so here's the thing. Episode one, I had high hopes. It starts off in the middle of an epic storm. It's all like literally a tornado and you're just thrown straight into the action. So you get a very quick understanding that something's a bit not right in her head. She's experiencing something altogether new. Um It is a game that episode one, I'm not going to lie, I hated, hated. Like, I got sick of her within 10 minutes. I wanted to turn it off. She's too talky-talky. You can't... Like, the point of the game is you want to be able to walk around, look at things. You're kind of... You're trying to investigate a girl's disappearance. So you're encouraged to look at everything. But everything comes with commentary. And I just... I don't need her to look at the front cover of her diary and be like, oh, my diary, I've been writing in this since I was seven. Like, I just don't care, you know? Like, oh, there's my laptop. I remember when I had to use this yesterday for my homework. It's that kind of incessant chatter. That's a pretty common adventure game trope that should have been cast away by now, I think. It's not necessary. I can look at a laptop and understand what it does. You use it 
the end. <laughs> like I don't need I don't need a ten sentence dialogue about it. So first episode for that reason I hated it was a little bit slow going, but I pushed on because I was really intrigued in the music of all things. I actually there was something in the music I think that was pulling me through to the end of at least that episode and then come the end of the first episode I was a bit more intrigued in the story wanted to keep playing she's a photography student my biggest gripe with this is you are not a photography student with just a polaroid camera <laughs> like that is that is not going to get you grade a and a you know a certificate <laughs> in photography at the end of this what camera would you recommend candy Oh, anything that's not spinning out like an <laughs> instamatic photo. Just you can't be entering competitions with you know a teeny tiny little Polaroid pic. Mm-hmm. But I, it's cute for this. But I just don't like how she's constantly praised for being this brilliant photography student who's won some kind of scholarship. And uh, Polaroids, no, it's not cutting it for me. <laughs> but that look, episode one aside, it's very interesting, and I've continued on and I have played a bit more. So interesting that Jody and I had initially very different reactions. Jody, you've had a very emotional journey with this game. Yeah, I have. I I did I was a bit put off by the first episode for similar reasons. There's a bit where you look at a TV in your photography classroom and oh. she goes on about like how amazing it's oh, going to be to Mr. watch Jefferson documentaries on it. Even Mr. Jefferson has like an LCD screen in his classroom. Oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I just, I yeah. got it. It's a TV. But, it goes on and off. But <laughs> although the f- a few things about the dialogue in the first episode are quite ropey, it gets hugely better yeah. as it goes on. And by the end of the second episode, I was connecting with all of the characters and oh. I felt like a lot of it rang true with what it's mm. like to be a teenager, especially once you get to know the characters and they stop being sort of superficial stereotypes. Mm. It does this repeated thing of having you meet characters and they're just like the bully or the snob or mm. whatever. And then you get to know more about them and you see why they are the way they are and you uncover stuff and you rewind conversations and have them over and over again and use the things that you know about them to find out more. And, and become their best friends and kick Victoria out of the club. That's no. one thing you can do, but you can also <laughs> just get to know them better and they turn out to actually be really well-realized characters, mm. which I did not expect from the first episode. But by, especially by like the third and fourth mm. out of this, like it's five episode series, I was totally sold and was hanging out for more every time. I was playing it as it came out with a couple of months between each one and was like on the edge of my seat between episode four and episode mm. five. Similar to a murder mystery show, I guess, if I find that this does kind of set up certain characters with the scenario, you know, like you see one character, like a teacher or security guard yelling at a student, you immediately are to assume they there is something suspicious going on, they're a bad person. And so a lot of it I've found by the end of the second episode, the biggest thing that hit me and now suddenly I'm really into it and I want to play the next episode is because the way that I'd been set up for the last couple of hours of gaming that I'd just done... Um, in one snap decision, I realised I blamed some kid purely based on, I guess, what was a lot of gossip and rumour and, and not having taken the time to ask him any questions or get to know him. And I've just put him in the firing line. And as soon as I clicked on that answer and I wasn't allowed to rewind in that scene and change my mind, I was like, oh, holy crap, I think it's all falling into place now and I want to totally blame someone else. And I think I'm being set up to dislike this character and think they're the culprit. And then, in fact... No, it's somebody else that my character Max has been falling in love with this whole time or whatever, you know, just 
very interesting that I have immediately wanted to change my mind when I wasn't allowed to. It's interesting that when you first get your power, you can use it constantly mm. to change things. And you think, well, this is great. It's like, you know, all of those games with choice and consequences like Mass Effect or The Walking mm. Dead or whatever, you have to make these split decisions and then mm. live with them. And maybe you made the wrong decision in the first Mass Effect and then in the third Mass Effect, 40 hours later, suddenly the consequences hit. Comes back, yeah. And in this, you can try something out, see what the immediate effect is, and then be like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Maybe I'll be nice to this person instead mm. of being mean to them. And you go back and then you see what would happen if you did the other thing. But during like the first episode especially, it, you feel like you can totally do everything perfectly by doing this. But because you can only rewind a couple of minutes, eventually the long-term consequences of things start catching up to you. Mm. And things that seemed like definitely the right idea at the time because the thing that happened immediately afterwards was great for you mm. turn out not to be so great, Yeah, which is really clever. Very clever. And the thing that I've noticed with it as well, um, and maybe leaning towards something I dislike, is that if I make a decision and then maybe decide to rewind or, you know, whatever the situation, I don't, I would like less talk from her sometimes criticizing or making me as a player want to change my mind again and again and again like I just kind of I want to make the decision you know like the uh, for example a phone rings and I either answer the phone or continue talking to the person that I'm with so I want to be able to answer the phone see what that call is about then if I don't like it rewind but I don't want her talking going oh maybe I shouldn't have done that maybe I could just rewind again it's just constantly like you never really feel set in stone with your decisions if that makes sense and I get a little bit anxious wondering if I should just rewind a million times. But either way, she's always going to give me some kind of doubtful answer. Like, I don't know if that was the right thing to do, but maybe it is, maybe it's not. And it's just that kind of constant inner monologue with my decisions. Mm. So she's, she's very indecisive yeah. as a character, which is unusual in a video game protagonist. Yeah. And at first it put me off. But then I realized, like, as a teenager, that's actually really accurate and true to life. She's not, like, a zombie apocalypse survivor. She's yeah. not the captain of a spaceship. She's just an ordinary 18-year-old who doesn't really know what she's doing. Yeah. We have been talking about Life is Strange. It's a five-part episodic adventure game. Uh, we've been talking about the storyline, how it's about an art student. Yeah. Photogra photography, photography student, student rather, yeah. who has the ability to control time. Rewind and redo yeah. But even that power can't stop her from making life-altering and world-changing mistakes. Well, you know, you think you've rewind time enough in one day that you can only imagine what it's doing to the rest of the world. You're so busy focused on, like, the two people yeah. in front of you that you're helping. So we've got, like, a butterfly effect kind yeah. of happening here. Yeah, it definitely. It's actually kind it's of on the nose about yeah. that. Like, you actually do see a butterfly the first time that you use Max's powers yeah. and then... I think when you make decisions that are going to be remembered I yeah think, like like in the walking dead you would have all of those this character is going to remember that whenever mm. you make a decision in this when you do something that's going to alter the future a little butterfly appears in the corner yeah. of the screen like the like the save <laughs> icon so you nailed it with the butterfly yeah. Yeah. Icon. I see. So, yeah. yes <laughs> absolutely pretty much it yeah yep. uh it's an adventure game uh yeah. something that happens in adventure games is uh puzzles appear nice segue Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does have adventure game puzzles. Uh, what did you think 
Candy of the one where you have to get past a bunch of mean girls who are sitting on the steps of the dorm. Oh, my God. I actually found that so incredibly frustrating because it points you in the direction of what you've missed and then it keeps forcing you to rewind because you get everything kind of just stops and goes a little bit grey and she's like, oh, maybe I could use my rewind powers now. And I'm like, well, obviously, but I don't know what I've missed. You know, like there's just... And it keeps showing me what I'm supposed to do. But I was like, I don't know how to get there or didn't realise how far back I could keep rewinding I thought I could sort of only go like you've actually just got a little spiral in the top left corner and I thought and there's little dots around that as points checkpoints I guess on that spiral so I thought I could kind of only rewind to the first checkpoint on that spiral I didn't realize I could go back like another two or three minutes and start the whole thing over again so once I got that I was like oh this is really interesting I want to see how I play this out and yeah, they are not hugely difficult puzzles. It's that kind of thing, you know, get the girls to move off the stoop or collect a few bottles or, you know, that that sort of thing. But enough that it probably takes up like another half hour of playtime. Yeah, they're not the kind of thing that you're going to be racing to a walkthrough to look up. No. They're just something that breaks up the game and mm. forces you to actually use her powers. Because when you use your power to rewind time, Max doesn't move. And that makes for some interesting puzzles, especially in the later episodes, where you can change the world back to the way it used to be, only you're now in a different position. Yeah, which gets questioned. Yeah, so so that actually does result in some more interesting puzzles later on. Yeah, Uh, and a lot of people wondering how you just suddenly appeared in that location and, you know, interesting that then maybe you would suddenly be blamed or people might be looking as suspiciously at you as you are looking at other people because you've just suddenly appeared at this present point in time where this event has taken place, you know. So interesting that you kind of... I feel like I'm almost starting to get looked down upon for that reason because I'm just appearing. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you didn't have that experience, but that's just... um, Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like that's how people are looking at me strange. Like, why were you there? Oh, oh. Oh, yeah, (laughs) obviously, because I rewound, but can't tell you that. (laughs) So, yeah. Well, people just look at you strange, I assume, because you're an awkward teenager. I just... Well, you're not a character who fits in, so everybody always thinks you're in the wrong place, like yeah. metaphorically as well. You're somebody that doesn't necessarily fit into a really typical group. Like mm-hmm. you're not with the jocks, you're not in the science class, you know, you're not with the mean girls. So you're just fumbling around awkwardly getting to know people as the quiet insider, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jody, you have just finished playing the final episode, which only came out last week. Were you happy with the series as a whole? I was happy with it as as a whole, though I wasn't a huge fan of the ending. I don't want to spoil it, but I did find the finale a little disappointing. But even so, like there are plenty of TV shows where the last episode was a bit of a dud, but it didn't spoil the fact that the entire rest of the season was great. And that's how I feel about Life is Strange. It's uh, really emotionally affecting and it has a lot of clever twists and great characters so it doesn't matter to me that I didn't love every second of it you know Mm -hmm. it started out pretty weak and it ended kind of similarly but in the middle it was so great that I would still absolutely recommend it it's very theatrical like don't pick this up thinking you're going to be holding your controller doing a whole lot of playing (laughs) like for very long because I just think there's been times where I think I've just put my controller down on the couch for 10 minutes while there's just been like these big cinematic cutscenes and stuff like that and so there's not a whole lot to be doing in that like gameplay sense it's just 
Yeah, I don't know. I can't, I actually just really want to go home and play the, the next episode now because I already, already have just got like wild, crazy ideas about how this is going to end and that everything that I'm seeing, I'm looking at through the wrong through the wrong lens. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's a nice little photographic well done. group. Thank you. Classic candy. <laughs> Classic candy. Um, yeah, so that's be- I want to go back and play it and just look at things differently, I think. Life is Strange is available now for the PC, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, Xbox One, and the Xbox 360. It's pretty much all of them. We just finished talking about Life is Strange, which is an episodic adventure game, and we have another one to talk about uh, because the final episode just came out last week as well. Tales from the Borderlands by Telltale Games. This is uh, Telltale's first episodic adventure game based on another video game franchise. Previously to that, they've only done comic books like The Walking Dead or The Wolf Among Us or TV mm. shows like The Game of Thrones. But this time they're kind of, they've got this meta thing going on. They're telling stories about other games. So we spoke about the first episode about a year ago when it came out. Uh, but we're here now to tell you all about our thoughts about the finished season. Jody? It's, it's really funny seeing their formula and it has become a formula now through their other games mm. the sort of modern day adventure game where instead of having complicated puzzles you have complicated decisions and dialogue choices to make applied to a video game series that up till now has been just sort of goofy sci-fi western first person shooters like the uh, the first Borderlands game does not have much of a story to it at all and although they add more story later on and more interesting characters and the second one actually does have some really good writing it's fascinating to see them flesh out a world so much Uh, and I'm really glad they did because I liked Borderlands 2 for the fact that it was surprisingly well written and it had this witty dialogue and really goofy silly characters Mm. and I got bored of the fact that I had to shoot a million dudes for 20 hours just to get to the next bit of that game now I get all of the funny characters and jokes and I don't have to shoot hardly any dudes (laughs) (laughs) win win yeah Uh, It was interesting as well because uh, you spoke about Minecraft story mode last week, Jody, which was a bit of a departure from the telltale tone, I guess, which is typically very serious, very grim. Very adult. Adult, over-the-top violence everywhere. Uh, Tales from the Borderlands before Minecraft story mode kind of set... uh, It sort of deviated from the established formula by having, like, a, a comedic tone, I guess. It's like laugh out loud funny yeah but it is also very gross and there's still a lot of blood and you know eyeballs popping out yeah so it's still not something you would give to a kid but it is a lot funnier than you know the walking dead which is very grim well the walking dead is is people just crying about how everyone's dying there's a lot and then another person dies and they do a bit more crying and then then you cry yeah and then it sound like nothing that was almost like unanimously our game of the year when it first came out it was heart-achingly emotional is what you're trying to say yes (laughs) not just oh yeah there's some crying and there's some more crying someone else dies no it was great crying very good crying it was very sad yes But here, the the tone is a lot lighter, and it's really cool. Less crying. Yes, (laughs) more laughing. (laughs) And the characters are excellent 
Mm. Uh, it's real. It's really hard to say goodbye to them at the end of the uh, last episode. Not they, not that they all die like in Game of Thrones, but just <laughs> that the fact that the series is ending. Yeah. So it's like a a heist movie, basically. Like you took the plot of a of a heist caper and set it in. Uh, a world that isn't designed for that because it still feels like the stuff that's going on in the background is what would go on in a first-person shooter. There are people, like bandits, are just constantly beating people up in the background of scenes. And the main characters of this, who are like a con woman and uh, a business-like salary man who is just in it for the money, mm. they're always avoiding that stuff. Like these are the characters who would be in the backgrounds of a, pre- of a previous Borderlands game just running away because you, the main character in those games, are a murderous psychopath. Mm. So it's really hilarious to see it from a different angle and through the eyes of much more ordinary characters who talk their way out of problems instead of shooting their way out of them. And occasionally we get glimpses into the antics of the real heroes from the core Borderlands series, like Zero, the super cyborg ninja who who just... (laughs) Speaks purely in haikus. Uh, Are you serious? Yes. Yeah, he just jumps in and, like, he's a total badass. Like, he just rips people up, he jumps out of frame, and then these normal people that you're, you're playing, you're, you're controlling, you're like, oh, my God, I could never do that. Yeah, what the hell is this? Is their reaction <laughs> to the kind of things that you do every five minutes in Borderlands 2. But speaks only in haiku. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I just want an example now. You should have recorded this. <laughs> no spoilers. Oh, no, no spoilers. spoilers. Haikus. No, sorry. So the main characters are... Fiona and Reese, and that's also something that was new for a Telltale game, that you have two protagonists instead of just one, Mm. and you switch between the two of them. So you get to play both, and you get to see things from two different points of view, because the entire story is told in flashback. It's them explaining what went wrong with this job that they did together at some point in the past, and they alternate. They take it in turns, telling their idea of what happened, So you get these hilarious scenes where someone will be talking about this amazing, cool thing you did, and then the other one butts in and says, no, that's not what happens. And then you get to retell a completely different version of events that makes them look like an absolute loser and shows how badly they screwed up. Do you get to switch between characters whenever you want, or is it kind of guided based on, like, missions or what's happening around you, or is it just the freedom to check in and see what they're doing, like, in GTA or something? No, no, it's it's very... Uh, narrative based mm. so you know when the story calls for it you'll be Fiona other times you'll oh, be yeah. Reese. you can't just uh, switch willy nilly yeah Wander it is off. very linear yeah. yeah and that kind of leads me to the next point which is the kind of false consequence system that Telltale have have sort of engineered here and have a reputation for it where you have the illusion of choice, like all these choices that you make, they seem so important, like, oh my God, I just decided who died there, that's amazing. But at the end of the day, you're still being steered in the same direction. And on the second playthrough, that becomes more apparent that, you know, you you have some fun like with the choices, but at the end of the day, the story is At the end of the the day, you're still saying someone's gotta die. It's not the choice to either make them die or not die, or it's not here there are everywhere choice it's a very specific yeah but that said there are some cool scenes where depending on your choices different things happen uh for example in this one i think this is probably the first time they've done it where you've got an inventory system and depending on how much money you have uh, you can purchase the services of a secret character 
there is actually a way to get that character if you haven't been saving your money through the rest of the game. So it does actually matter what you do with the items in your inventory, which is something that you know old-fashioned adventure games would do, but the Telltale games haven't done before now, where you have to actually pick up things and carry them around and occasionally solve puzzles or you know beat people up with them. Welcome back, lovely Zed listeners. That song was Razor. It was Jungle with Busy Earning, and it was taken from the soundtrack to the first episode of Tales from the Borderlands, the game that we've been talking about. You have indeed. That Continue. song that song <laughs> plays over this opening credit sequence, and every episode has one, and they're amazing. Did you love them? I loved them. They're so good. It's like the really slick thing out of a Tarantino movie or something where you see like Gearbox presents Tales from the Borderlands whizzing past on vehicles or spaceships or stuff in the background while this cool montage plays out of the characters doing awesome rad stuff it's really filmic and really well done and it's strange to see it coming from the people who just made the Game of Thrones game where they screwed up the opening credit sequence of that and made it look hideous oh really? yeah <laughs> looks bad but this has a really great credits, every single one, and with awesome music every time. Yeah. Um, and I just want to talk about the voice cast for a moment because it is exceptional. Yeah, uh, really good so. performance. For a video game. Well, we've got a couple of video game kind of mainstays like uh, Troy Baker. Troy Baker, who you'd know from Infamous and various other games. Arkham Origins, he was the Joker. Yep. Uh, oh, yep. Laura Bailey as well. Who uh, I know, I like her in as Rise in Persona, mm-hmm. uh, but also Chris Hardwick, who's the At Midnight guy, in a very funny role as Vaughn, the kind yeah. of cowardly best friend. I hadn't friend. heard him before, but he's really funny, and I love that uh, Patrick Warburton from The Tick and from Seinfeld and from like a million, a million things other things with that, that cartoon he's in. He's in a lot of Family things. Go- uh, um, American Dad, and he plays your. Uh, he plays Reese's business rival, Vasquez, who is like the biggest dick in the universe, and he is so good. Yeah. He's got the best voice for it, though. He actually does quite a lot of games. I got on to look one day after, I think we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, and I thought I'll just have a look because I, I know him as the dad and, you know, American dad. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, he's brilliant. Uh, also, Nolan North, who is maybe the most prolific video game voice actor of all time. He has uh, a pretty chunky role as August, who's like this black market, dodgy black market dealer. Yeah, I didn't recognize him, though, because he doesn't do the Nolan North voice. He does whenever he's the main character in a story. They actually let him do a different voice, and you realize, oh, hey, he actually can act. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, like, I loved these characters. They were so good, so funny, a great ensemble. And I'm really hoping that they bring them back whether for, you know, Tales from the Borderlands Season 2 or hopefully into the core Borderlands series. Yeah, I think they will because surprisingly for a spin-off that has some cameos from characters in the main series, this actually changes the Borderlands setting in a lot of really drastic ways. Like, main characters die and things explode and a lot of stuff changes. Like, what the world is going to look like in the next Borderlands game will be different because of events that happened in this, which was totally unexpected. I thought it was going to be sort of an inconsequential, fluffy thing, but it actually feels like more plot happens in this than in any of the actual Borderlands games. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Man, I love this game. It was funny. Uh, It's my game of the year. 
Is it? Yeah. Ooh, oh, big call. Damn, We're two man. months out. I was going to be saying nonsense like Game of the Year as well. Uh, however, in a year where Witcher 3 and Metal Gear Solid 5 was released, it's a tough call. It's been an amazing year for games. This one, though, won't take you 100 hours to finish. That's right. I feel like we've just ruined our future episode, which is the Game of the Year episode, but still, great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, really enjoyed this one. Uh, even if you're not into the Borderlands games, which mm. I'm not terribly, it's definitely worth looking at just as a standalone thing. I mean, it's that good. Yeah, it does a fine job of explaining why this uh, weird space western universe exists and actually portrays it better than the Borderlands games do, I think. We've been talking about Tales from the Borderlands, which is available now for most platforms, including mobile. Yeah. Uh, we're going to leave now. It's the end of the episode. But uh, thank you very much for Aww. listening. Aww. We're going to leave now. <laughs> we'll be back next week <laughs> at the same time, heading down to PAX Australia in Melbourne this weekend uh, See for a whole bunch there. of game-related fun. But uh, one last song to take us home. This one is an 8-bit rendition of a Tame Impala song, Jody. This is Nonak's version of Feels Like We Only Go Backwards. Catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye.